Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to operate profitably and adapt continuously. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Financial Excellence with Game Changers, our longest running series under the Game Changers umbrella presented by SAP. This is season 10, in case you've been keeping track, 10 years, and we have such interesting topics for you today. I'm going to open the show with a buzz quote from a gentleman named Marty Chavez, former CFO of Goldman Sachs. Listen up. And he said, I'm not paid or evaluated on the accuracy of my crystal ball predictions. I'm paid to enumerate every possible outcome and do something about, my guests are nodding because it's true, and do something about every possible outcome well in advance when it's still possible to do something because once it's happened, it's too late. Now, I found this quote in a, in a series of quotes from well-known CFOs, and I thought this just really encapsulates what we're talking about. So let me give you a little more background before my three esteemed guests introduce themselves. So let's put up a reality check mirror for all of you listening in our global audience. Is your organization still struggling? I put the word still in there because we've been talking about this for a long time with finance transformation and future steering. And it's okay to say yes. How differently should you approach long-term thinking and planning because you want to be better prepared for future events and disruptions? This is June 2021. We know the new meaning of the word disruption, and we say it's time for answers. So we have some ideas for you. A comprehensive enterprise-wide planning strategy goes past what you know is visualization and reporting. Let's make it more robust. It entails extended planning and analysis across your various lines of business, however many you have, leveraging real-time insights, that's so important, and predictive capabilities. For effective decision-making, you want to bring everyone together. Let's stop the silo mentality. So innovating and empowering your business users through modern cloud-based solutions and models accompanied by AI-driven insights. I hope you all got that and wrote that down. We'll help your organization stay agile and gain fast time to value to make the best business decisions because we're in what I call not the next normal, the new normal market changes. We're in a new normal. It could change at any moment. So we have Pras Chatterjee at SAP with us. Pras is a long-term sponsor of the series, one of the original Pras. Always a real pleasure and a privilege to have you on the show. And we're joined by Human. He spells his first name J-U-M-A-N. I hope M-E-N. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Human Rest and Neil Morton, and they're both at PwC. And we're going to ask them for their take on our topic today: extended planning and analysis for resilient and sustainable organizations. And that's where all of you want to be. So welcome, Bonnie in the house. Happy to be here. Shout out to a couple people in the background. We'll name them at the end of the show who've done a lot to help support this topic. Pras, would you please do us the honor? Pras, I'm guessing there might be 4.2 people in the world who don't remember who you are because you're on the show so often. So talk to the point two and a little bit to the four. Refresh their memory. What do you do? What's your role at SAP? And why is this topic important to you? Welcome, Pras. Thanks for having me, Bonnie, and a uh, pleasure to be here. And uh, as you mentioned, I've been at SAP for almost 15 years now. I work in product marketing as an evangelist for financial planning and analysis for the Office of CFO, talking to 
my counterparts in uh, that work in FPNA about what they what they are doing now and what they can do to be better, and really hearing their stories and love love to share their stories and experiences, you know, on calls such as this and uh, with everyone else because there's so much to be uh, learned. And uh, just a bit about myself, I think last time I was here, I talked about I'm an avid runner and a marathoner. Well, I've changed that. The pandemic has made me an avid pelotoner, if that's an actual word. So <laughs> that's where I'm at now. It is an actual word. You know why, Press? Because you just said it's an actual word. And so there you it, go. it has just entered the lexicon, the formal formal exercise lexicon. I know I've heard that Pelotons were very hard to obtain during the pandemic. It was very hard to obtain almost anything, and it's still hard yes. to obtain everything because <laughs> of supply chain. I'm just going to ask you, did you have one at your home before the pandemic took hold? I did not. I it, I fell victim to the pandemic and I did my eight week wait and I am addicted now. So I'm one of those people. Wow. Very interesting. Well, thank you for sharing that. And let's go around the table and meet our two newcomers. Next up is Human Rest at PwC. Human, why don't you introduce yourself to our global listening audience? They'd like to know who you are, what you do, and what's your passion for this topic. Human, welcome. Hi, Bonnie. And thanks for having us. So, um, <coughs> Data is a new goal. I don't think that we have to explain this to our customers and um, to work to help our, uh, to help the organizations. Um, I'm really looking forward to extract as much information as possible out of their data, right? And that's a topic that we have today, not only analyze that data, but also plan into the future, like you already mentioned. And I think that's a very important topic. And yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing every day, trying to get as much information out of the data for the customers. Thank you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, human? People want to know who are you? What do you do at PwC? What's your role? What's your passion for financial excellence? Spend a couple minutes telling us about who you are, please. Well, um, I I really um, work with all the different technologies around SAP. So from the build up and strategy of the data um, models in the background, the different data sources that come together, right? Because the Organizations have a lot of different systems and all this data has to be combined and centralized and then also visualized for the top management. And this whole process from data, um, putting the data together to analyzing the data and visualizing it and this whole process, I'm um, sitting there and working with this data. Thank you very much. Where, do you, where are you based, human? Where are you based? So I'm sitting here in Duisburg. You see a nice picture in the background. That's the um, nice heaven we have here and um, where the um, Silk Road from China arrives there. So it goes from China to here, the new um, belt they built, uh, this train that they, they have been building the last um, decade. And yeah, but I work uh, over whole Europe. Thank you very much. Pleasure to meet you. And now let's go around the table. One more chair to Neil Morton. Neil, I wish I wish we were broadcasting live stream video press. We, we got to do that one of these days because it's such a pleasure to see all of you and see your facial reactions because I know you're all on board with this very important topic and I wish people could see the smiles. And Neil was nodding during my entire monologue and I wanted people to see that. So we'll have to post the video. Neil Morton, tell me who you are. How did you get to this point in your career? What do you do? And what's your important aspect of this topic or what, what's your engagement with the topic? Neil, well. Oh, hey, Bonnie. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. It's a great pleasure to be on the show. And yes, I've been nodding because it really is a very interesting topic for all of us. Uh, and I personally am a little bit passionate about planning 
And I'll tell you one or two reasons why I think planning is so important for our future economy and, and, and for organizations that are looking into this. So uh, just a little bit of background on me. I'm, I'm uh, actually an alliance manager. I, I work in, in partnering organizations to make sure that they build a value proposition for um, organizations that are looking to use technology. And I've done that for the last 20 years with various different roles in sales, marketing, product management, but mostly around using uh, technology stacks and software for the benefit of things like product lifecycle management, things like um, ERP, so resource planning, but also planning, planning itself as part of, of an integrated stack that clients use um, all, all across the world. Um, so I'm passionate about it because, you know, there were some times a couple of years back, you remember the times when we had IoT and, and we were producing a lot of data and a lot of people didn't really know, so what can we do with this now? And, and it was an era of trying to identify what's going to be the value for us moving forward. And as we've sort of accelerated over the last 10 years now, I think we've seen that the data is kind of seamlessly flowing into the process itself. And now comes a time when we need to make sure that that data becomes materialized in planning, in the outcome for the future, and what we call future steering processes. So that's that's why I, I love this topic so much. And a little bit of background maybe on my personal life. I'm a passionate Land Rover driver, Land Rover Defender driver. And, uh, you know, talking about planning, this year with the pandemic, it's not been a good year for driving the car. So I'm actually planning for, for next year's uh, new routes and, and to explore some interesting places. So, yeah, that's me, Bonnie. Thank you very much, Neil. Funny, I just got an email from a, a place where I, I don't think I bought a car there a couple of years ago. I think I had my car serviced there, a local dealer. And they said, time is running out. We don't think we're going to have inventory of new or used cars for more than a couple of weeks. I'm not kidding you. I've never seen an email like this from a dealer to a customer or to somebody they know I'm on their mailing list. I think I had an inspection there. And they said, we can't guarantee what's going to be available. So, of course, they said, if you want to sell your used car, we'll get your top dollar. But the point is, we don't know when we're going to have anything in stock if you want a new car. It's just not coming in. And I know that the automotive production in the U.S. was shut down for 47 days in 2020 due to the pandemic. And it's it's hard to believe. I know there's a semiconductor chip shortage and a lot going on automotive. We're not talking about that today, but it's just interesting from a personal standpoint to, to have it come to you and say, this is a reality check. This is this is where our world is today. So talk about planning. Good plan, Neil Morton. There you go. And press. I'm glad you got your Peloton when you got it. So there. This is the part of the show coming up next where I've asked my guests to send me in advance a quote from a song, a movie, or a TV character that has absolutely nothing to do with our topic. And they're going to tell us in their own words why they picked it and what it does have to do with our topic. So we get to hear them think and speak outside the box. Pras Chatterjee has sent a quote from uh, the movie Chariots of Fire, a 1981 British historical drama film based on the true story of two British athletes in the 1924 Olympics, Eric Little or Lydell, a devout Scottish Christian who runs for the glory of God, and Harold Abrahams, a, an English Jew who runs to overcome prejudice. And here is the quote, everyone runs in her own way or his own way. And where does the power come from to see the race to its end? From within, and this was said by the character played by Ian Charlson, who played Eric Liddell. Pras, interesting quote. Talk to me. What does this have to do with our topic, please? 
Well, I mean, just some background on the movie. It's one of the most amazing movies of all time. I mean, in my opinion, I mean, I think uh, the year it competed in the Oscars, it, I don't think it won very many awards because there were so many great movies that year and because that's it's been underrated. But the music, I think we all agree, is just uh, as, you know, uh, surpassed, you know, um, time i mean it's just it's endless and uh i just remember the other day my daughter is nine and i was running with her and i had this music on for chariots of fire and even with no background of the movie uh she actually you know found it inspirational to run with and you know just thinking of that quote from that movie directly because it, it was the whole movie was about challenging your outer beliefs and your inner beliefs and what society wanted on you and things of that nature so really for me it comes down to there's an expectation of what finance is supposed to do and what how finance is supposed to work it's supposed to often deliver monthly forecasts it's often supposed to deliver quarterly results because quarterly results are due from the CFO and CEO to the street and things like that but to think outside the box and to find the strength within you to find the energy to actually you know think long term and deliver shareholder value it's might it might not be something that often fpna does and often thinks it can deliver on and that's for for me it was really about uh, just finding that inner strength that inner meaning to really look within yourself because the strength is all there the energy is there and to harness it all to deliver true shareholder value and to you know go beyond um, go way outside the box so that's really where it came from for me Thank you. Very inspirational words. Neil, Neil's nodding a lot today. Neil, I like that quote too. It, it is inspirational and it was a great movie. Thank you so much, Pras. And let's move to Human Rest. And Human has sent us a quote from Mr. Spock. Uh, from Star Trek, of course, Mr. Spock, played by the one and only, the late, great Leonard Nimoy. This is from Star Trek, the original series. They call it the original series, even though it was the original, but they're trying to distinguish it from the rest of the franchise. And this is from a 1966 episode called The Enemy Within. Human, with your uh, permission, I'd like to read the whole scene. There's just a couple more lines before your quote, if that's okay, because this will set us up. So Spock says, you're the captain of this ship. You haven't the right to be vulnerable in the eyes of the crew. And here comes the quote he picked. You can't afford the luxury of being anything less than perfect. If you do, they lose faith and you lose command. Oh, I'm getting chills. That's such a great quote. Human, talk to me. How, how did you find this one? And what does it have to do with our topic? Go ahead. Well, first of all, it's an amazing um, show. Um, maybe the, the older audience will hate me for this, but I even like more the new ones, but this just stood out this uh, sentence. And why does it fit? Well, when we're talking about planning or analytics, the key, the key for the success of the application is that the data that is shown in those applications for the organization, that those are perfect. If the users see data that is not correct, they will lose faith in the application. They will lose faith in the one that is implementing or working with the application. So in terms of data, you have to be perfect there. And if you, took, if you look at Silicon Valley, when the people uh, develop solutions for the B2C area, then sometimes it's better to be fast and to bring the product out fast. So speed is there the key. But in an B2B business, when it comes to show data, their quality is the key. So that's why it fits. Thank you very much. Great quote. We appreciate that very much. And let's and anything from Star Trek just is is so fun to see. There are still so many Trekkies around the world, human. I'm <laughs> sure they appreciate that. It has nothing to do with age, okay? So we won't even go there. Neil Morton has sent us an iconic quote also from a movie that just made 
made waves in the world. Back to the Future, 1985. Hard to believe. How many years? That's 15 plus 21. Do the math. Almost 40 years ago. Oh, my. American science fiction comedy film that's actually a franchise. The character is Martin Seamus Marty McFly. Fictional character and the protagonist played by the one and only Michael J. Fox. And Marty McFly was selected by Empire Magazine as the 12th greatest movie character of all time. Did you know that, Neil? No, I didn't. That's very, very impressive. Uh, So let's do the quote now. I guess you guys aren't ready for that yet, but your kids are going to love it. (laughs) Neil, how'd you find this one? Great quote. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a really interesting one because you know that facial expression he has when he says that. For those you know who've seen the movie, the way that he opens his eyes and he says the kids are gonna love it. It's like saying this is gonna be the next big thing of of the earth uh, of of our of our future, and, and you can't grasp it yet, but your kids are gonna love it. And um, you know the reason I like this is because it also represents a little bit. I think what we're going through in terms of changing the way that we look at analytical data and, and that we that we consume it from being, you know, kind of Excel-based and you've got this passive data and this is what we're all used to. That's what we've done in the last 10 years. But then when you look at some of the new technologies and the visualization capabilities and its way of being able to represent data, you know, we don't have to talk about the planning part yet, just representing the data in such an agile way, in a flexible way, the kids are going to love it, right? I don't know if everybody who's been doing this for 25 years will kind of get why this is so good for everybody. But if you look at our kids and the way that they consume data, the way that they want to see, as human was saying, the truth, at the moment they're looking at it, this is where it comes in. I think that's why the statement fits so well here. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time the three of you took to find really interesting quotes. So thank you very much. All iconic movies and TV shows. And we appreciate that. Nice to bring back some of those memories. Now let's move on to the roundtable part of the show. I will tell our listeners in case you're new to this format. I've asked my guests in advance to each send me four statements about the topic. I'm going to pick one from each. We'll start with one from Pras. And I will read the statement. If it's very long, I'll read a little. If it's short, I'll read the whole thing. And then Pross will expand it, unpack it, as they say on the news shows, for a couple of minutes. And then we'll go around the table with an agree or disagree or a combination, a hybrid of responses, reactions from the others. So human rest will be next. I'll ask you if you agree or disagree with what Pross said. And then, Neil, you get to talk about what both of them said. Then I'll give Pross a chance to respond, rebut, or just say, hey, all good. And then I will pick a statement from human. I'll put it in the chat for you, human, so you'll know where we're going. We'll do the same thing and then one from Neil, and let's see how much we can cover. So here's what Prost told me in the statement number one. He says, extended planning and analysis is the natural evolution of financial planning and analysis. And listen up, everyone. This is important. For this evolution to be complete requires self-introspection for planners to see where and how they will fit in. I think we're talking about people here. Pras, unpack this for us, please. Uh, absolutely, Bonnie. So, I mean, right now there is a profession called financial planning and analysis. We can all go to LinkedIn, uh, click FPNA or financial planning analysis, find tons of jobs, tons of people with this skill set, tons of companies hiring. So it is an existing profession. And the profession has really been around for, I mean, I started in this profession back in 99. And my job effectively was to work in the office of the CFO, look at data, explain what happened in the past, try to collect budgets and plans from everybody, try to piece them together, um, 
send some sort of forecast or budget out, rework that budget many, many, many times over the course of months till I get to a number that everybody's happy with. And by the time we got to that number, the number is completely obsolete. So the one thing we have to understand is that everybody plans. I mean, uh, I'm not in planning anymore, anymore. I'm in marketing, but I'm always planning my budgets, my campaigns, and I'm getting that information based on what sales wants to push out next year. And then there are organizations where based on what sales wants to push out next year, someone in a factory somewhere has to figure out what, you know, what they have to consume in terms of raw materials or goods. And based on that, someone in HR is trying to figure out, well, how much do we have to hire? What are our hiring patterns? So you can see, not only is everyone planning, but everyone's plans are connected. So really the evolution is that at some point in time, it's not just financial planning or analysis where you're looking at a balance sheet or an income statement or a cash flow. It's about being exciting. It's going beyond the box, looking at all the different plans. And guess what? Someone has to do this. So it's those guys, it was in, in financial planning analysis that have to piece all these plans together. And really the only way for them to do it is to look you know, within themselves to see if they can expand beyond just the traditional, what they were taught in school, looking at uh, budgets in terms of um, income statements, balance sheets, and cash flows, and expanding and, and seeing how they can lead, where they'll fit in their organization. Because guess what? It's the office of CFO that now has to lead this whole process, take control of it, be, you know, that group that'll take it forward and really run the ship with it. So for me, that's really where it comes in. So this is where it's a natural evolution of everything. Thank you, Pras. And that harks back to your quote, doesn't it, about running the race? It seems to me that they tie together very nicely. Human rest, we'd love to find out. Agree or disagree with Pras? Go ahead. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, um, when we talk about planning, often people uh, think about pure financial planning, but really all these different areas are going more and more and more interesting, are being more interesting and implemented into these planning scenarios. And even the next step also automated in order to have a less manual work, like Perpra said, like you're getting the data from different people and putting it together that can be done with automated systems and then also beyond financial. So totally agree. Thank you very much. Totally agree. Neil Morton, what side are you on? Where do you want to come in on this? Well, you know, I'm going to say agree, um, but I'm going to, I'm going to say hybrid agree. Okay. I, I, think, I think there is actually a little bit of a, a change in this role of the people that uh, Pras was referring to in terms of the planners, the financial planners and so on. I think what we're going to see over the course of the next few years is that it will become an integrated role, somebody that understands the entire business and its value chain. And therefore, I think for those people who will be moving into these kind of roles, there is uh, going to be an an additional requirement for them to be much more uh, business acumen and understanding what the what the value chain of these uh, of these organizations that they're working for actually bring. And then there's another point, and and this point goes beyond the organization itself. And and this is where I think for all of us. Even if you look at technology and realization of the future finance and, and, uh, and, and advanced planning and things, you need to look beyond your own organization because as we've seen in the last few months specifically, but I think that's what we're seeing in globalization anyway, is that if you don't incorporate what's left and right of you in your business, it becomes very difficult to control how you can be successful in the market. So, you know, there's more coming. There's more coming in the role. There's more coming in, in the, 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 the kind of work that these people will be doing. And I think there's going to be a lot of upskilling necessary to make that possible. 
Interesting. Very interesting. Pras is nodding. Pras, anything you want to say back to either or both of your co-parents? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, um, I, I think what Neil's actually hit on a very uh, important but very sensitive point as well. Um, you know, I think, um, as Neil mentioned, uh, the business acumen is going to be absolutely necessary. Uh, often in this field, what I've seen is, and I know this might be somewhat sensitive to people, but um, there are many trained accountants in this uh, field, people that are, you know, v- trained and looking at things in a very uh, myopic manner. And um, what I, some of the most successful people I've seen in this space are people that have broader business acumen. I mean, engineers, I mean, I'm talking about trained engineers, professional engineers that come into this space that, you know, that are a- trained to think beyond the box, that are being trained to bring all sorts of information and data into really make creative decisions, some of the most creative people in the space. And I think it's going to require a lot of creativity. So the organizations that are most successful are going to have the people that have the business acumen and the skills that are, you know, trained, you know, they're not looking backwards, but they're really looking forwards in terms of what's needed and what's going to happen. And so that's going to be a very telling uh, area for this profession. Thank you very much. Good conversation started. Thank you, Pras. Let's go to something human sent me. I'm looking at statement number two, human. I'll read it because it's brief and then ask you to expand it. You say flexible IT architectures allow organizations to navigate through their cloud migration roadmap and react quicker to changing structures or business models. New solutions allow us to combine flexibility with scalability. Sounds like a good good topic to talk about. Human, why don't you kick us off? Take about three minutes, unpack it, and then we'll see what Neil and Pras have to say. Go ahead. Of course. Thanks, Bonnie. So we just talked about combining and, and going from just um, financial planning to other areas. So let's uh, think about the scenario where an organization wants to combine finance data with HR data, with production data in order to create an integrated planning solution. So in the past, you had two options. One is to create a huge project over different years and combine those systems into one integrated system, which took a lot of money before you could ever start. We even start to plan on this data. Scenario two was to take Excel and do this manually. Second is flexible, first one is scalable. Now you have the option with new solutions without programming with graphical interfaces where the business can connect easily tables from these different systems, create a virtual data model, has the flexibility, but also the scalability as it is in a standard solution that is done in a SAP solution or as a solution from, from other vendors. And this combination is very, very powerful in order for business departments to combine the data without having to integrate years of tech projects. Very interesting. So we're talking about low code, no code, I think you mentioned. Yeah, in that, yeah that area, exactly. Thank you very much. Neil Morton, love to get your thoughts. Agree or disagree with what Human shared. Go ahead. Well, how could I disagree for, to what <laughs> Human is saying? But let's expand on that a little bit because it's got another dimension. I mean, we're, we're, Human has touched on the technology side of this, right? So um, what does it require to make uh, the advanced planning capabilities uh, be realized for the organizations? That's the one side. But the other side, of course, to this is, are you ready as a as an organization to do this? And and speaking with many peers in this area, it shows that uh, the discussions that you have in an early phase of these transformations around this this particular topic require a lot to happen with the way that people perceive the data and that they visualize it. So you've got a mindset change, and and you know if you've got the technology um, and and you're using the technology right, that's fair enough. If the organization itself can't consume it and use it and take the right conclusions out of it. That's where I think 
we all have to step up and make sure that this becomes a multi-complex, uh, sorry, a, a, a multi-discipline um, in, in terms of the transformation project. So, so technology, yes, that's the one part, but don't forget that we have to have the organizational part also fit in, in the right way so that they can adopt and use properly. Thank you very much. Pras, you're up. What do you think? Um, I think there's an extension of actually what Neil had said. I mean, I agree with what Yumin mentioned, but uh, the extension is really the process around everything. I mean, organizations often, I think, before they undertake this, they, especially as finance group that has deliverables to give to people, you know, especially their business consumers and uh, constituents inside the organization, um, what is the process and how is the process going to change? Because the process should change. I mean, if you're going to deploy all this technology and all these uh, this business transformation that's going to give you insights and data and access to um, you know, things that weren't available before, how much of the status quo are you going to keep and how much of the status quo can you move on from? You know, I've come across organizations in the past where it's like the little disruptions that are just so painstaking that should be, you know, throw it out the window, but they're, uh, they're fixated on that because there's some C-level executive or um, VP that wants a stock of binders, a stock of printer, like printed paper every month that has to be delivered at this point in time. And a PDF is not good enough or a dashboard that pops up once a day isn't good enough. So, I mean, it's all these little things that can throw off the whole process. So I think on, um, you know, before they undertake this, they really got to look at the process and what they commit to deliver and really have to sell internally on what this uh, business transformation, how much better it's going to be. And that selling is takes a lot of work. Did you just say somebody's asking for stacks of paper, Pras? Not just stacks of paper. I've, I've come across, you know, executives in the past uh, that weren't happy because their a number wasn't underlined in the right color. And I'm like, my God, please move on. There's so much more to, to tackle in this world. I, I was told early on in my career about 11 years ago, and you know where I was 11 years ago, Pras, by a manager that she didn't like the way I used PowerPoint. And if I didn't learn to use different colors and shadings and indentations and consolidate the information that I would never advance in my career and I would probably be out of a job forever. So we did have those, those uh, shall we just call them busy processes people who, who decided that that was, yes, very, very interesting, the underlining, yeah, won't go there. Human, this was your topic. We had a lot to say about it. You, anything you'd like to say back to Neil and or to Pras? Human? I can agree. And I would close with the fact that, yeah, the um, once the, uh, every planning project starts with the processes and then you just select the technology, which depends on the processes. And then on the next step, again, the um, implementation. So your technology um, the processes, again, depend on the technology as sometimes it's more efficient to implement the standard processes of the technology you selected. So you change again your processes. So what I want to say is technology depends on process, process depends on technology. So it's a circle. Very, very interesting. And I think uh, flexibility is somewhere in there and being nimble and agile and being able to pivot. And that takes a certain kind of leadership, doesn't it? Leadership at the top and, and hiring the right people. And we just talked about upskilling. People need to be able to function at that level. It's not just about printing out reports anymore. Pras, I'm not going to forget that people are still asking for stacks of paper. I was going to say what's paper, but I know I still have a printer. So very rare. I'm paying for ink every month and I haven't used it in six months. But you have to be ready just in case. Neil Morton, I'm looking at statement number two you sent me. This is interesting. And it 
it uh, hones in on a couple of statements. We just talked about agility, but there's something in here about keeping data simple. I'm going to read just a little bit from this. It's, it's wonderful information. I'm going to ask you to expand it for us and then unpack it, Neil, and then we'll see what press and human have to say. So Neil says, the agility of companies to be able to adapt to new market circumstances, let's focus on that too, will depend on looking at a company situation holistically, while financial data provides an as-if view to adopt to changing market situations quickly, organizations need to bring together the right data in a simple form. Let's go for a whole bunch of those buzzwords in there, Neil. <laughs> you got your work cut out for you. It was a great statement. Go ahead, Neil. Yeah, let's see if I can get all those statements back <clears throat> into one. But I think, you know, what it boils down to is um, looking at it holistically. Let me just touch on that for a, for a moment. I think uh, what we were saying earlier about uh, looking left and right of your organization, making sure that you bring all the data in in a way that it can be consumable, um, that is a big challenge. I think the, the biggest part of creating a good planning scenario that gives you visibility to the data you need, the way that you need it at the time of when you're working on it, when you're doing your planning, is probably the biggest piece that has to be realized in modern ways of doing planning. So. Being simple means you're cutting out the complexity and boiling it down to the most important facts that are going to make it easy for you to make those decisions. Whether you're a financial planner, whether you're a CFO, whether you're somebody who's looking at the sales data, figuring out what have I got on my stock? What am I going to sell tomorrow? How is that going to get to the clients? That's all a complex process. And it's, it's also got a lot of complex data inside it. So I think the biggest, the, the biggest forward-moving target needs to be stay simple. Stay simple and also make sure that with that simplicity, you're representing what the market situation is giving you in terms of the impact of what your business can make for profitability and revenue and these kind of things. But then also, how are you going to almost going to say, how are you going to help society? What I'm actually meaning is, how can you create a good economy situation for yourself based on what's going around in terms of your business that you're driving? And, and that's, that's really where simplicity has to come in. So I think that's where I would go for. If you, if you gave me three points, I would say, forget about three points, make it simple. Very, very interesting. And you brought up the idea of what can you do for society and culture? Yes. And sustainability in the environment, in the world in general, ESG has become a big hot topic. And we thought it arrived when the millennials came into the workforce a few years ago. They're now in their mid forties approaching their mid thirties approaching 40. I think they've got money, they've got position, but now it seems something that most organizations embrace. So there are multiple ways to look at that sustainability. Thank you, Neil. A lot to talk about. Uh, Pras, you're sitting virtually next to Neil now, whether you know it or not. So I'm going to call on you to agree or disagree with what he said. Go ahead, Pras. Um, just want to expand a bit on what he said. I know that um, at the height of the pandemic last June, uh, McKinsey came out with a statement and one of the things they said was that uh, finance and especially planning was one of the most important areas of any organization, especially the office of the CFO, primarily because best-in-class organizations were able to take um, you know, market scenarios and come up with recommendations and decisions. So uh, based on what Neil has said, I think another there's another word to add to it, proactivity, because there's a lot of market changes and conditions that are dynamic, that are evolving, such as, you know, supply chain disruptions. I mean, am I going to get my Peloton in eight weeks or 12 weeks? And for Peloton to decide, when is that happening and who's going to deliver and stuff like that? So for finance to really look at 
their demand and look at the different situations and to think proactive in terms of, all right, these are the underlying market conditions and forget Let's let's move past the pandemic. Let's look at now. You know what's the impact of inflation? What's the impact of currency price fluctuation? What's the impact of potential disruptions in service? You know supply chain based on ships being stuck in a canal or whatnot. So there's many different things that can happen. And for finance, I think they really have to be proactive in putting one or many of these situations together in scenarios and then sharing these experiences with all of their business constituents about what could happen, what might happen. Mm -hmm. So it's really up to them, I think, to just take all this data together and be proactive and bringing it to their audience. Thank you. Good word to add to our vocabulary for the show. Human rest, love to get your thoughts on what Neil shared and or process expanded comments. Go ahead, human. Yeah, I would just to tell a word about what simplicity means for me, because I don't think that the systems or the processes will get much simpler. It's the simplicity for the user who plans and works in the organization. So the, the processes from the point of view of the uh, people that, that work at the organization, as we have so many technologies that are complex, but can simplify the work for the people like AI neuronal networks that help to um, build up predictions and um, basis for the planning scenarios, right? So that can be very complex, but still then it is way easier and less complex for the people that work and do the planning and so on. Thank you very much. Okay, uh, let's go back to, let's see, Pras, I'm ready to bring up a new topic, if that's okay. Neil, anything you want to say back to them? No, I think I think the most important thing is that, um, you know, if you look, if, if you look at the way that this needs to happen in organizations, that's where we see the big challenges. That's where we see how we have to drive organizations to to adopt. And, and that, that would be my closing statement. Yeah. Thank you very much. Good conversation started. Now you see why I asked for so much from all of you in advance of the show, because we need really interesting places to take it. So the audience says, Wow, I learned a lot from them. Look at how smart they are. Speaking of smart process, I'm looking at your statement number three. And in my opening, I mentioned something called AI, artificial intelligence. So let's talk about it. You say, it's okay to trust algorithms and machine learning insights, but true success in the future of planning will be marrying human insights with AI. Important point of view here. Pras, talk to me. So let's move from uh, humans uh, reference in the 60s to uh, my reference in the late 80s, 90s to Terminator 2. Let's be very clear to the Office of Finance. The machines are not taking over, okay? So that's not happening. But um, you know, what I really want to highlight is that you know, every, whenever I talk to CFOs and Office of Finance, look, I mean, everybody's been hearing about AI and machine learning. Um, it's almost, it's, it's washed. It's being used everywhere. But what really is it? It's an opportunity to gain insights that might not be able, available to the naked eye. The algorithms and there's all this fear about oh do I need to you know deploy a team of data scientists and have this you know uh, mathematically educated group outside of my you know team that'll bring me these insights that I don't really that I'll have to interpret and things like that. That's not the case anymore. I mean, AI and machine learning is pretty much available with all sorts of solutions. It's available to anybody in finance. I mean, heck, you can sign it, use your credit card, sign up with for an AI machine learning tool that'll work on your data and give you insights. And but that's not doing your job for you. With any AI and machine learning solution, you as a finance individual have to look at a scenario, whether it's, as I mentioned, your supply chain disruption or a sales forecast that you think might be happening. Look at the historical data that you want to base it upon. Put in some of your own information, some of the experiences you think might happen, and have the algorithms generate insights. Now, it's up to you now to marry it with your human insights to see, well, does this make sense? Does it not make sense? 
um, all, all of these machine learning um, uh, solutions have scores that tell you prediction accuracy and things like that. Get a sense of feeling in terms of well, what, how accurate might this be? And what is my what are my insights, my human mind telling me about this? Because ultimately, it is your information that allows you to share this with everyone else. So that's really the beauty, beauty behind this. You don't have to be scared of it. Rather, it's something, it's a complementary tool. Think of it as another finance individual sitting next to you at the desk right over and work with them to come up with, you know, generate budgets, forecasts, and insights to help you make better decisions. Thank you. We you have a lot in there. The machines are not taking over. We still, I'm still talking to real people. You, if anybody here is not a, a real people, just raise your hand. I almost raised my, Neil. Oh, he's not sure. Okay, that went up and down. I wish our listeners could see this. Very, very good. Bras, thank you for the movie reference as well. Let's go around the table. Human rest. What do you think about what Pras just said about AI and humans working with the what at the next desk? What do you think? Agree or disagree? I agree, and I um, often like it to call the why and the what. So the computers, the um, solutions can tell us very easy the what. So a product was sold very good in Australia um, with our pink shoes. Yeah, that's the what, but why? And that's where you call the sales guy in Australia, and he tells you, well, we had this amazing campaign with Lady Gaga, and she had these shoes, and uh, we have to do more of these campaigns on, around the world. So that's information they need, right? But you, you, the system finds the spot where it is, what happened, and then the person can fill out the why. That's a, just a perfect combination. I like that. I've never heard it put exactly that way, human. That, that almost is, it sounds like a formula for a success is marrying the human, the real human and the AI, whatever it is, uh, taking the data, the what and the why. Very quotable moment, human rest. Thank you for that. Appreciate that. Neil is nodding. Neil, you're doing a lot of nodding here today. So why don't you expand on that, Neil? Agree or disagree with anything or everything Pras and human just shared? Go ahead, Neil. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with all, all that was said. But I would like to bring in an, uh, just a little bit of an aspect around where we stand today in terms of technology and how we can use artificial in intelligence to make uh, the businesses run better. You know, I personally think we're, we're not there where we need to be. And, and I'm very much looking forward to the next, hopefully, five to 10 years when I'm still in business uh, and, and, and experiencing this, where we will be able to achieve an 85 to 90% automation on a lot of that planning cycle that we're speaking about in terms of finance and executing in the business to be done by machine-supported algorithms and technology. That's what I'm looking forward to because I think at the moment what humans said is, is, is the reality, right? You need the sales guy to, to tell you why, is, why are you successful in a certain region and, and what can you use out of that conclusion in another region. I would love to see us being able to do something like the why comes from the machine and all you have to do is execute on a house, so you need the salespeople. Now, I don't know how much the salespeople will like this, so I'm, I'm going to be careful if I want to put that <laughs> statement in, in, all, in all honesty. But, but that's where I think we need to evolve. And in the, the process to get there is something that every organization can support. And that's the nice thing. I think many vendors are willing to make their algorithms, their tools and technology improve over time but it requires exactly that. It requires the feedback, the way that um, uh, it's helping the organizations where they're falling short so that this improvement can be done. So this is a call out to all organizations that are doing the next level of extended planning, right? Let's see, let's see us all help those technology uh, um, companies 
in making that better because I would love to see that. It'd be great. Thank you. We're, we're not at the crystal ball part of the show, but I think you just oh. gave us a, a hopeful <laughs> prediction looking forward. Neil, hold that thought, please. Uh, Pras, this was your topic. Anything you'd like to say back to either of your co-panelists? You know what? Neil has opened my eyes. I hadn't thought about the how, and I think the how is just brilliant because um, the next phase of this, um, you know, these algorithms is effectively, you know, how finance or whoever's running these algorithms and getting these insights can go back to sales or a supply chain or an HR manager and say, this is the how, this is how you do it. And that's got to be there. And I implore every technology vendor or someone in Silicon Valley to, you know, start coding away at this time. point. Thank you very much. <laughs> Great topic. Appreciate that. Good conversation. We have time for at least one more statement. Human, I'm looking at your statement number four, and we were talking about humans and technology, and let's talk about automation. You say automation of manual processes allows for huge cost reductions. I'm going to let you add to that, expand it, human, and then we'll see what Neil and Pras have to say. Go ahead, human. Yeah, it's really um, the expansion of what Pras already said. So, um, let's talk about, for example, financial reporting. Every month, a controller sits there and writes a text for the numbers that he presents to the top management, right? And this text is, is the same every month uh, from, from 60 to 80%. So the EBIT increased by in region X and so on. So that's a formula, a structured formula, where you just change the numbers and the words increased, decreased, and so on. These are rules that can be automated. And then this text is generated every month for all KPIs completely automatically. And then there was, there the, came the, the sentence before, the controller just has to add the Y. So he already has all the text for all the KPIs, all the stuff they normally do manually each month. They have it there and they just have to change some sentences with a Y, adding some information that they get calling the colleague and so on. Thank you very much. I know that's become a mantra in, in popular psychology in the past few years is what is your why? What do you do? Why do you get up in the morning? Why, why do you do that job? Why do you write that book? Why do you run? Why do you use your Peloton every day? What, what's the purpose? Who are you? What is your personal goal? So why in business is equally important. Thank you, Human. Let's go around the table. Neil Morton, briefly agree or disagree? I, I will briefly agree and say this is, this is definitely, yeah, this is definitely where, where we need to go. Now, uh, look, I think this has also got to do about, this has got to do uh, with something about uh, elevating the, the importance of the finance function in the organizations and the people that drive the finance function, right? Um, you, you can only do as much work as you have time. So the more you can automate, the more you can concentrate on what really makes a difference for the organizations. And this is where I would plea the organizations to say, let's have a look at how I can use automation to eliminate. And I was saying, you know, I'm looking forward to the 85%, 90% to eliminate as much as I can those day in, day out work pieces that don't add value to the business. They're just creating the numbers and making it look visual and, and understanding it. If you can, if you can bring in that contextual piece that drives the 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 uh, the explanations as to the, the the certain circumstances that have led to it, or or, or the reasons why the data uh, looks as it does. I think that's already adding a huge value in terms of automation. And for the C level organization itself, this is you know 
data that they can tap into straight away without having people having to type away in PowerPoints and, and, and create these spreadsheets and, and then put notes on it and, and say it's like this and it's like that. We could eliminate all of that. And um, I think that's where we need to go. And I think that's where organizations are going these days. Thank you very much. Pras, thoughts about automation. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it, it absolutely makes sense. I mean, recently I just did, um, I'm about to actually release a research survey that I did with uh, C-level executives and FP&A and VPs of finance. And uh, one of the telling things that's been, you know, pretty consistent year over year is that I think FP&A individuals, especially directors and above, feel that only 16% of what they do is adding true value. And um, oftentimes, you know, when it comes down to what technology you're using, I mean, there's so much cool technology out there that we can talk about. Many, many vendors. But guess who the vendor we're competing with is? Microsoft Excel. There are so many companies that are still engrossed in spreadsheets to drive value and trying to do automation and things like that because they're bringing in data, cutting and pasting, parsing, and then outlining and coloring cells, as you mentioned, Bonnie, and to make you know people happy. And there's zero automation in that. And when you finally get to the point of interpreting the data, uh, you're not adding that much value. You spent all this time you know, behind the scenes marrying and things. And automation, as human mentioned, brings us all together. I mean, we can take, I mean, we can have another call on this one day with, you know, these guests where robotic mm -hmm. process automation, that exists. I mean, the, every time in spreadsheets, people are creating these visual basic formulas to parse data, to cut spreadsheets, to create columns or whatnot. That's RPA in a very small manner. Imagine a world where everything was automated, all the reports were spit out. And as an FPNA individual, you're able to use your mind as your MBAs or CPAs or engineering degrees or whatnot to deliver insights. That's a true value of automation right there. Thank you very much. Human, very good topic. Anything you want to say back to them? Because I want to squeeze in one more from Neil. But Human, I'll give you a minute here. What do you think? No, I don't have much to add. I just want to give another uh, an, an, um, a sentence to the thing you said before to the paper, um, big paper <laughs> stuff. Yes. Well, I have developed many um, solutions for business analytics to analyze the data in different, in all the devices interactively. And you know what? Nearly everyone who received this completely interactive report, which runs on every device, where's the print button? So I'm. <laughs> this is nothing new. This is really, it's, it's, it's still like that. Yes. And when I get a legal document from someone and they say, we need your signature back, the big <laughs> question is, do you need what they call a wet signature? Means I have to print it. I have to handwrite it because I don't know any script I can do automatically that will look handwritten because it's got to be a little messy. So you have to print it, but then I'm not going to mail it to them I, I, unless they insist. I actually scan it on my iPad or my phone and upload it. I love the automation of having print and sign options in PDFs, right? In interactive PDFs that are legal documents where, where you validated who you are. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Great point. Paper, paper, paper. Neil, let's see if we can squeeze in one more. We only have five minutes, but I want to at least get your take on your statement number three. You say, with more companies seeking a wider insight into their business in real time, planning and analytics will require a broader view on the overall value chain. Organizations are going to be required to design along those value chains. Neil, take about two minutes and then we'll get a quick word from your co-panelists. Go ahead, Neil. Okay, Bonnie. Yeah, and I think, you know, the, the, the topic I, I was really emphasizing here is around personas. So, mm -hmm. and I'll try yes. and cut this a little bit short, but look, the, the point is we were talking about the individuals that benefit from automation that will have that best visualization piece and so on. If you look into the process of an organization transforming to get to that state, 
one of the most important parts is the personas. So it's the role that these individuals are playing within the processes that drive the business. And what we are, I think, saying generally is that one of the key pieces are the personas. You need to look at the personas, the roles, and how they are supporting the processes so that you can really, really specifically adopt the way that they get to consume the, the data and help them do their planning by looking at what role they have and what impact their decisions are going to make on the business. And with that, you create a better future planning scenario, uh, which of course is also geared towards steering the organization, right? So that's my statement. Thank you very much. Let's get a quick word on persona, a quick reaction from Pras and then Newman, and then we'll see if we can squeeze in some 30 second predictions. I have three minutes left. Pras, what do you think about personas? Maybe we'll end with these, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it's not just about process analysis, as I was talking before. It is about persona analysis, looking mm-hmm. at marketing, not just in terms of from the finance perspective, oh, I need marketing information to see what the marketing budgets are, but how can marketing work with this information and the data and consume it to make better forecasts and predictions that are useful to the marketing persona, but also is useful to me. So, I mean, you can you know, make that argument across the board, sales, you know, what are they looking at and how is it useful for me? But the key thing is, you know, along with the process analysis, the persona analysis, so that everybody's needs and expectations are met when you're going on this extended planning and analysis journey. Thank you very much. Human, anything quickly you want to say about this? No, it wasn't perfect addition. We had to take the process at the beginning, then we had the um, technology, and now we had the persona. So we have the full picture of the planning process. I think we do. All right, let's fast forward to 2025. I can give you each one sentence with one comma, one semicolon, and one long dash, and period at the end. What will we be talking about if we resume this conversation about extended planning? Pras, one sentence. Go ahead, predict. One sentence is everything is fully integrated to make better and brighter decisions. Ooh, human, what's your prediction? I'm just optimistic and I'm saying no digital reports have a print button. <laughs> I like, I knew I liked you. Neil Morton, what's your prediction? My prediction in 2025 is everybody's going to love the way that they look at data. And that's what I want them to do. Ah, interesting. Very interesting. I want to thank our two special guests from PwC, Human Rest and Neil Morton. It has been a real pleasure getting to know you and working with you. Your contributions were wonderful, Pras. Always, always a treat to work with you and to speak with you. And a shout out to Anastasia Sebastianova. Hope I said that right at PwC and Lisa Chalmers and Sylvie Solid at SAP for working behind the scenes. I think Thorsten Leidick was involved also in putting together this topic and I appreciate it. And thank you very much also to Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire. He started working with me three years ago. He was 26 years old. Now he's 62 because it's my shows are a little bit of a challenge. I'm only teasing. He's a good guy. So here's my call and shout out also to the sponsors of this show, Chris Grundy, Birgit Starmans, and we have Pras Chatterjee with us. He's one of the awesome threesome who put together the concept for financial excellence with Game Changers. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Here's my closing call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? My car is still only getting three months to the gallon. Not bad. Where do you go anymore? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Pras Chatterjee, just like Human Rest, just like Neil Morton. Have a good day. Be kind to yourself. Go out and make a difference. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to operate profitably and adapt continuously. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO and join host Bonnie D. Graham on the Business Channel, wishing you a game-changing week.